What's up, our little true crime addicts? It's Megan. And Grace. And this is That's So Criminal. We do that every time now, and I just think it's funny. I know. I don't know what else to do. I know. We just go, like, a really high pitch. <laughs> What's up, y'all? It's part two of Todd Colehab, and we don't like him. No. But we have to finish but the story. <laughs> on the bright side, it's raining where I am, so get the little ambiance of your oh. Anywho, y'all, I'm excited to show you guys part two, because it's going to be pretty interesting, and it's going to be pretty... Um, pretty crazy. So yeah, excited! I told Grace it wasn't going to be that long, but I also like don't know. So <laughs> <laughs> we say that, and then it's like way too long, and then we say, "Oh, this is going to be short." Opposite. <laughs> no, legit. Legitimately, we're like, we're like, um, yeah, whatever we say, just expect the opposite. Also, Grace. I thought it was really cute for my birthday. I think I told you this, but my sister got me this giant book of like, oh my gosh, called yeah. like the big book of serial killers. And it's so cool because it tells you like a summary of them. And then it tells you like the, like what their sentence was and like what they were like their nickname, if they had one. And like, it goes into serious details. Like, this is awesome. I still haven't given Megan her birthday gift, but <laughs> it's okay. I know that I'm going to see you soon. Like whether it's, I just but, know like, I will. Shout out to Lindsay because we low key like coordinated without knowing it. So, oh my god, yeah. oh my god, oh yes, that's okay. the only hint you're getting. <laughs> okay, I'm so excited now. I'm actually really excited. But yeah, no, for my for my next case, I think I should just like scroll the book <clears throat> and then like cl- like put my finger on one page and be like, okay, that's what I'm doing. Oh my gosh, please! I have like a few that like people suggested that I'm I'm gonna start doing, but I know I feel bad. I don't want to be. I want to do ones that people like that suggest but sometimes I look up the ones and I'm like it's just so short well not even that sometimes you just got to be into it sometimes I just look stuff up and I'm like yeah I'm not I'm not vibing with that no trip. yeah it's true because I mean like to, to get a bunch of like research like you got to be interested in what you're saying exactly like imagine yeah. if you're just sitting there and you're like I'm so bored <laughs> right that's what I'm saying like I don't know I'm hyped though I'm excited to hear this part too I'm like I'm very ready Good, good. So, guys, in part one, we went over Todd Kolhep, a lot of his background. Um, we went over Kala Brown and kind of, like, when she was rescued and that, that story of what happened there with her and, obviously, her boyfriend, um, Charles. And then we talked a little bit about Megan Coxie and Johnny Coxie, which were the two pe- – the which, Megan was the waitress, and they were both found dead on his property. And we ended with – me saying that Todd confessed to all the murders and also he confessed to shooting four people at a bike shop years ago, 13 yeah. years ago. It was a cold case for 13 years known as the super bike murders. Which also, can we talk about how, like, how many of y'all avoided any type of storage container after hearing part one? Because I did. <laughs> like, no. Dude, uh, yeah, 100%. Just, but also, it was a no. <laughs> Also, let's just, like, always avoid storage containers on 95-acre properties in the middle like, of fucking nowhere. 
No, just no. Like we're not. No, that's okay. If this, mm-hmm. if you're ever in a scenario where you're doing a like an under the table job for somebody, and they say, "Come to my property," and it's this giant field, and there's just Podcast. a storage container there, turn around. Listen. Like that's just you can just say, "Actually, my besties Megan and Grace said no." Yeah, I'll and play like, you. I'll play you the recording. Just like we'll just, don't elaborate. Like we'll, no, literally. Like there's no explanation. Just the answer is no. Come home straight exactly. away. <laughs> it's time for supper. Get your ass inside. <laughs> oh <my God>. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Megan and Grace said it's time for dinner. I gotta go. Oh, that's so funny. <laughs> I know, right? Do you ever just like laugh at something and you're like, I don't even know why this is that funny, but like, do you mean like ninety five percent of our conversation? <laughs> Yes. Yes. Also, Grace, did you watch that TikTok video I sent you? Oh my gosh, guys. <laughs> Little known fact, Megan and my husband are both in the military. <laughs> and she sent me this hilarious TikTok video about it. Like, oh my gosh. If you're in the military, you would get it. It's just... It's really funny. Oh, it's, it's the really best funny. and the worst. <laughs> and yeah. <laughs> That's it. That's all I'm gonna say. <laughs> it's really fucking funny. Okay, okay, okay. Anyway... Let's get started, y'all. Let's get started. Okay. So, we're going to talk about the Superbike murders. And we're also going to talk about, you know, we're going to eventually get back to, like, where we are, where we left off, like, time period. But first, we are going to talk about April 16th, 2003. So, we're going pretty far back. Okay. So, on April 16th, 2003, 32-year-old Todd Kohlhepp, paid $9,000 for a blue and white with a black stripe 2003 Suzuki GSX R750. Wow. That, now, was, that was a lot of <laughs> a lot of letters in that name. <laughs> when I wrote that down, I had to go back and like look at each thing. I was like, am I putting this on there right? Like, I don't even know. Like, mm, all I got to say is, wow. <laughs> For such a name, I was like, I gotta look this up. Like, this better be, like, the coolest <laughs> motorcycle to ever exist. And, is it uh, a motorcycle or is it, like, it, a, a racing bike? A dirt bike? So, like, I'm pretty not sure. A motor- <laughs> Wait, look, can you look it up for me and, like, tell me? Because, girl, I don't know what it's a, Oh, yeah, you gotta have to put this all in. Look up 2003 Suzuki GSX-R750. Yeah, that's... Is it a motorcycle or is it like a sports bike? Because it is I don't... a motorcycle. Okay. okay, thank you, Kelly Blue Book. Sponsor us. Um, yes, thank you. Not. That would be a weird sponsor. But... <laughs> Guys, we got a sponsorship from Suzuki. They sent us a motorcycle. That would be dope. That would be dope. <laughs> that would be dope. Okay. Anyway. <laughs> We've looked it up. It's a bike. Yes. Confirmed. But it looks cool. <laughs> it looks really cool. Doesn't it look it's colorful and stuff? I mean he has his like, It is pretty cool, I'm not gonna lie. Yeah. They do look they look really cool. They look fancy. They look like you like it's a biker so it's a motorcycle, but I'm pretty sure it's a motorcycle that you're gonna wanna like have experience. Like it's not like your first bike. You wouldn't be like, Oh my god, I'm gonna go buy this is my first motorcycle. Oh yeah. Anyway, so Scott Scott, what is what is happening right now? Todd, Todd Colehep bought this I'm going to say it one more time. Bought a 2003 Suzuki GSX-R750. Good for him. At Superbike Motorsports in Chesney, South Carolina. 
Woo! That was a mouthful. Okay. So, 13 days later, he reports the motorcycle missing. And he tells, yeah, he tells his neighbors that he suspects that the bike shop was involved. Yeah. So, I don't really know where he's getting that. Like, in terms of, like, the people he bought it from? Yeah. Like, he was, he was saying, like, I'm pretty sure the, the, like, the shop, like, I'm, I think Superbike Motorsports stole it. Okay. I mean, that's... Yeah. I mean, hey, if that's what he thinks, you know, then that's what he thinks. So, you can't be mad to... That would be a hunt. crazy scam. Not gonna lie. Yeah, it would be. Genius True. scam. Actually, I'm not gonna say genius, because actually, it's kind, <laughs> it's kind of a dumb scam. If that's... It's not the case, by the way, but, um... I just yeah. <laughs> anyway, okay. So he suspects that. Whatever. Now, on the morning of November sixth, two thousand and three, so we're skipping ahead because that was April sixteenth that Todd bought that, and that when then thirteen days after that he re- he reported it missing. Um, mm-hmm. Now, the morning of November sixth, two thousand and three, Todd Kolhep walked back into the motorcycle dealership, shot the owner, the owner's mother. And two employees in the head. Dude, that's, like, the scariest experience. Like, that has to be, like, like, think about how jumpy, like, I know I'm jumpy around guns, but, like, think about then you're literally minding your own business at work, and the very last thing you think to ever, like, that would ever happen would be that. Yeah, exactly. That's terrifying. And... So this crime became known as the Superbike Murders, and it was a horrific, cold-blooded crime. And one of the things that kind of makes it like a little eerie when like, especially like, you know, before it was, it was solved because it took 13 years is that nothing was, was taken. And there was even an envelope of cash that was left lying in plain sight. So it obviously like immediately put, you know, investigators were like, it's not a robbery gone wrong. Like somebody yeah. just walked in here and wanted to kill these people. Okay. Literally like that. Okay. <laughs> and that is, that's terrifying. The idea that like Todd walked in there. And he, he was, he, he, he wasn't, like, walking in ready to, like, you know, talk, like, to have a conversation. Like, he walked in to kill them. Yeah. So, found dead were founder and owner Scott Ponder, aged 30, Scott's mother, Beverly Guy, aged 52, shop mechanic Chris Sherbert, he was 26, and Scott Ponder's really close friend and service manager, Brian Lucas, who was 30. These people are so young. I know. And they literally did nothing wrong. Like, so young. Okay. Way too young to, you know, to be taken off this, this earth like that. I mean, no one should be taken off this earth like that at any age. But I'm just saying, like, you, you hear, you know, 26 and 30 and 50. And you're like, that's, that's so young. Literally. You know? And, wow. <laughs> and of course, like, they, they never do. But, like, they did nothing to deserve that. And that's just it's horrible. So That's wild. Superbike Motorsports became known as a hub for local bike enthusiasts. It was popping. Um, it was it was business as usual. I'm going to kind of talk about like the day when this happened. So, it was business as usual when a friend of the place, Noel Lee, called the shop on that Thursday morning to ask if he could drop by and hang out for a while. Mm-hmm. Noel was a good friend of Scott, the owner, and he also knew everyone else that worked there as well. He was one of those like you know, customers that you're like, oh, hey, Noel, like, he's here. We all know Noel, you know. Yeah, like a regular. Exactly. So when Noel arrived at the dealership less than 10 minutes later, like after he called to say he's coming in, he walked Mm -hmm. into the very disturbing scene. 
Oh my gosh, can you imagine? I know. Like, wow, can you imagine that? I, I literally crap. I literally can't imagine it. Like, that's terrifying. That's the most scarring experience. Yeah. Wow. Scott and Brian were lying in a pool of blood in the dealership's parking lot near the entrance mm-hmm. to the building. <laughs> it was said that um, they think that they heard shots and then started and then ran for the exit. And that's why they were shot, like, basically near the parking lot. Mm-hmm. Now, Noel initially thought the two were pranking him. This is so sad. Telling them to, like, get up and kind of, like, nudging Stop. them. Yeah. Say you're kidding right now. No, this, this like, literally makes oh me so sad. He was nudging Brian with his foot when he oh realized God. the situation was not a joke. And I, like, when I was, when I was typing this out, I literally was, like... <clears throat> I was just, like, my, my stomach was, like, sinking. I was, like, I can't imagine being, like, guys, get up. And then seeing that. Like, like literally. That would, that would traumatize you forever. Forever. It just makes me really sad. There's just, like, no words for it. There's not. It's ridiculous. It's just stupid. <laughs> yeah. Now, okay. immediately, Noel obviously freaks out. And he runs inside the dealership to call 911. Because he was going to use the phone in the dealership. And when he runs inside... Noel came upon two more bodies. Beverly Guy, Scott's mom, was on the floor near the bathroom, and Chris was slumped over a bike he appeared to have been working on. Oh, gosh. Yeah. So, obviously, Noel calls 911, and within minutes, police are on the scene. So, for everyone to understand, like, the absolute tragedy of these murders, it requires us kind of going back to January of 2001 so we can talk a little bit about how this like the people involved in starting this business and how just amazing like a positive and happy the whole business was Mm -hmm. Scott Ponder a passionate motorcycle enthusiast opened a motorcycle and power sports dealership called Superbike Motorsports and he did it in his home state South Carolina now Scott's best friend is Brian Lucas And he also had a passion for this kind of thing. So he joined Scott at Superbike Motors as the shop service manager. And I just Mm -hmm. love that. It's like two best buds. Yeah. Like starting a business together. I just thought that was so cute. And this is even cuter. But it's going to break my heart. (laughs) This is like, this is like, this is like so cute, but it makes me so sad because like we know what happens to these people. Yeah. Scott's mom, Beverly Guy, um, she loved to spend time at the dealership and like run errands for them. And, like, generally just enjoy the time with her son. So she was there all the time. Stop. I know. I know. I just think that's so cute. Like, his, like he's with his best, like, Scott's with his best friend Brian and his mom. And they're just, like, living their life, starting their business. Um, Chris Sherbert was the shop's most recent hire. And he had only been working there for a short time. But people seemed to really like him. And he was a good worker. So from the start, the dealership was a huge success. Scott Mm -hmm. used the internet for marketing and Superbike Motors, uh, they um, sold more than $1 million in sales in the first year. Holy crap. Yeah, like it was a huge success. Wow. So building on that success, Scott invested further in the business and he used that money for remodeling and expanding their garage and just, you know, getting better parts, better bikes, all that stuff. So... It's just like when you when you look at it and you take a step back, Scott had this super successful business and he was surrounded by loving friends and family and he was happily married to a woman he loved. 
Aww. he actually met her at a motorcycle show. Oh my god! I know. Talk so about cool. like meant to be. Like he's a passionate motorcycle enthusiast, and he meets her at a motorcycle show. I just love that. Like it's it's just so cool to like when you meet your significant other doing something you both love, and it's yes. like, oh, I love love. I know. I love love too. I think it's so cute. I think that is amazing. Um, and this next thing though is going to be really really sad. No. So his I'm wife kidding. Melissa, her name is Melissa. She was pregnant with their first child when Scott was killed. And so that was a child that Scott will never get to meet. Oh, my God. I know. And that just kills me inside. And it makes you, like, look at this and you're like, I mean, I obviously, I already knew, you know, obviously, I already, I already thought Todd Colehep was just a monster. But, like, you. This guy's just selfish. Like, you're just a selfish dick. Literally. Like, literally. And it's just, like, you think, like, these people had families and you these people had things to like live for so much to live for and you just what because because what you know what I mean it's just so stupid so obviously when investigators you know came upon the scene and they saw what happened they immediately were like yep this is obviously a murder and they immediately Mm -hmm. began following leads so yeah like how I said it was obviously a murder as if like it wouldn't have been obviously it was um thankful though they started like doing that stuff because like sometimes it takes them so long to like actually get going and no that's that's true but this investigation started like so quickly like immediately they were like they were like we're following everything every lead we can what okay okay thank you (laughs) exactly so unfortunately though i will give a little foreshadowing here they they did good they started out good but a lot of mistakes were made in this case so almost had it yeah almost (laughs) So there was a man and a woman, I don't have their names because they're, they don't really pretend to the story that much, but there was a man and a woman um, that were seen near the dealership around the time of the murders and then shortly again after. Um, these, mm-hmm. these two people were known drug dealers with, uh, they're, sorry, known drug users and dealers with shady re- reputation. So the police were like, okay, like, you know, should we take a look at them? Like they were seen around it. But immediately they were like, just no, because it doesn't make any sense for two addicts who would be looking for drugs or money. Like, mm-hmm. they wouldn't just shoot up the place and then not take obvious cash because there was literally an envelope of cash sitting there. Yeah, because it straight off the bat doesn't seem like a robbery. So Exactly. So they were like, okay. they don't have any motive to just like walk in there and shoot up the place. So yeah. I don't think that that's, that's not like where, where we want to put our time and energy. So yeah, that didn't go anywhere. It, it also stumped the cops because they kind of were like, I mean, how do we find something like someone that just came in here and the only motive was just to kill like, you know, Mm -hmm. so also looking back on this entire case now that it's solved and that it took 13 years, a Mm -hmm. lot of people have said that this should have been solved so much earlier. And if it had a lot of of Todd's crimes could have been preventable, if better detective work could have been done. And I have to agree with this, especially after you guys hear the mistakes made in this case. Oof, big yikes. Yeah. The first mistake being that Todd was a known local and recent customer, and they never brought him in for questioning. Like, they never spoke to him. Okay. Yeah. So, like, I mean, I feel like immediately the first people you guys that they should look at is, like, people that come into the store a lot. Yeah, or, like, yeah, you're right, recent customers. Yeah, like, he was a recent customer. So, it's, like, what what are we doing? Now, Melissa Ponder Brackman, that's Scott's wife, 
mm-hmm. um, expressed her frustrations with the negligent police work by saying, quote, they called him, Todd, twice, and he didn't return phone calls to them. That's puzzling to me that he didn't ever call them back and that didn't raise a red flag with them. They had plenty of time over the 13 years to run backgrounds, especially of those local customers. Plenty of time, unquote. And- right. Like, <laughs> wait a minute. Wait a minute. So, like, you can just ghost the police and they'll be like, oh, okay. <laughs> like, that's fine. <laughs> Literally! Like, um, I mean, okay. <laughs> I'm sorry, that's like, literally though it's like i'm sorry she she said yeah they called him a few times he didn't call back so they just were like yeah whatever oh well like i guess he's not interested yeah, so. yeah. i guess he doesn't want to talk okay 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 yeah. that's so, all i have to say melissa i'm i'm backing you up girl like i don't know why that didn't raise a red flag either girl so girl. also you will hear later why she has so many negative feelings towards the police in this situation. And oh, no. <laughs> I don't blame her. I don't blame her. No. All right. Spartanburg County Sheriff Chuck Wright, who came into office in 2005. So it was a few years after the case kind of went cold and kind mm-hmm. of like it took, you know, it took a while. So he wasn't there when it actually happened. But he said hundreds of people were questioned about the Superbike case over the years, but Colehap wasn't among them though he was known to have been a recent customer who reported his bike stolen. So it's like... Okay. Okay. So if you guys knew... Literally, he was a recent customer who reported his bike stolen. Um, okay. <laughs> okay. That's like... That's literally a person and a motive. Like, I don't know. Okay, whatever. Now, County Sheriff Chuck Wright also says, quote, there were a lot more people on that superbike list that we never talked to. And we ran the backgrounds, but nobody fit the profile or suggested they could kill four people with any of the backgrounds we ran. I talked what to is that? Literally. That you can't kill four people? Like, literally. What? I don't really know <laughs> what on a background says. Yeah, I just don't think. You don't think. Like, I'm, I'm guess I'm confused because, like, okay. He didn't just go in there and strangle four people he used a weapon yeah so so like all he had to do was pull the trigger exactly it, like i don't understand like you ooh, don't need to have a freaking people. you don't need a rocket science thing to like pull a, a de- fucking trigger <laughs> do you mean a degree <laughs> you don't need a degree <laughs> no just the thing <laughs> a rocket science thing oh god okay um <laughs> he said oh okay so chuck wright also said i talked to, to todd Colehap. this was like him saying like after todd like confessed like he's saying i have talked to him now i talked mm-hmm. to todd Colehap, and he indicated that had we talked to him at first he'd have never been around here again so like okay so like what is that i don't even i don't even know why you had to put that in there buddy but like okay sounds good that that it doesn't make you look as good as you think it does. Yeah, I I know it. I think I I think I see what you were attempting to go for, but like I it doesn't make any sense. It's not working. It's not, <laughs> sir. It's not working. Please stop. Now, he also says there were other people on that customer list that we sent a generic letter to saying, "Hey, we'd love for you to come in here and talk to us." And he, along with a lot more people, never responded. So apparently, a lot of people just go to the police and they were cool with it. I am so like. Okay, I know. <laughs> to say, <laughs> just go. Just you know. Oh yeah, we sent them a letter and they never sent one back. So, 
okay. So, you know, I guess I don't really know what else to tell you. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I'm screaming at the incompetence. <laughs> I know. I know. I sat here and I reread that and I was like, am I reading this right? Like, I just, I don't have the words. I know. <laughs> I don't either. Like, what is happening? Okay. <laughs> yeah. So, detectives looked into the lives of the victims also because they wanted to try and find a reason that someone would want to kill them. You know, like, do they have any enemies? All that stuff. Brian, Scott, and Beverly didn't seem to have any bad blood between them or anyone else, and no one could think of any reason that anyone would want, would want to hurt them. Um, now, there were a couple small-town rumors that swirled around about Chris having connections to the drug world, but after thoroughly investigating those claims, the police found nothing to it. And that makes me, it just kind of makes me salty because I'm like, I hate small-town rumors, like the small-town right. rumor mill. So Megan, they both coming from the same small town. I know, I know, dude. Because we we <laughs> have like firsthand experience with like the small town like, rumor mill. You're just like, bro, what is happening right now? Like, it's yeah, it's just not great. No, yeah, all it takes is one person to be like, I think he was a drug user, and then yeah, everyone's like, oh my god, Chris, yeah. And obviously, it was investigated, and that was not correct. And so it's just like, okay, guys, can we? Let's not. Anyway, so police also, of course, called in Scott's wife. You know, of course, they got to look at everyone. And she was, they were like, we got to talk to the wife. Just like they always got to talk to the husband. So Um, she was called into the station a handful of times in the months that followed the murders. Even Mm -hmm. after her son, Scott, she named her son, Scott, after Scott. Oh, I know. I thought that was really sweet. I don't like this. I know. I know. It's really sad. It's really sad. Um, Yeah, so she was called in even after her son, Scott, was born. Um, The police, for some reason, just had, like, some suspicions about her. Uh, And I'm not saying for some reason. I mean, like, I I naturally, like, so, you know, you you look at the spouses, like you do. But for some Mm -hmm. reason, the police just really think that they that, that she was part of this like they they were like i'm pretty i think she's she's a part of it and i really think that we should just keep bringing her in to keep talking about it to see if she does okay. anything yeah mm-hmm. i bet that's really helping exactly so they had their suspicions and during one visit to the police station melissa changed her baby's diaper and the police swiped it from the trash and sent it to a lab to, to test for dna because they wanted to test the baby's DNA to, like, see if it matched, you know, That is Scott. the most disrespectful thing I've ever heard. Yeah. And obviously they didn't tell Melissa. Like, this was unbeknownst to Melissa. Unbeknownst. I don't know. Like, if my husband died and I was a widow and now a single mother as well, and that happened to me, I would become unhinged. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I, uh, yeah. So... DNA samples had been taken from the four victims at the crime scene. So they had, you know, the four samples of each of the four victims. So the investigators ran a paternity test on the baby, checking to make sure that Scott was the dad. Yeah, no. The disrespect, no. Yeah, I'm sure that they figured, like, a nasty affair was a good motive for murder and all that stuff. When the DNA sample came back, it determined that Scott was not the baby's father, but Brian was. I... I'm just gonna... I'm gonna let you, like, understand that for a second. You know, I was... 
a ride or die on her team. Well, let's just we're gonna we're, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna keep keep going here, y'all. Ooh. So <laughs> the police obviously were like, "Oh my god!" Like if if there's a motive, it's placed in front of us. Like oh Melissa had an affair with his best friend, so they confronted Melissa obviously with mm-hmm. this information, and she flatly denied the possibility that anyone other than Scott could be the father. Yikes! Yikes! And she even said. She even said, take the test again. Oh my god. This is not correct. Do another DNA test. This is not possible. So, a second test is had because, you know, she was like, nope, do it again. But the results remained the same. Oh god. With Brian being the father of Melissa's child, not Scott. So, Melissa was called in again and confronted about the second test's results. At that point, she denied it again, but she then opted to stop speaking to the police without a lawyer. Girl! I know, and of course, you know. this choice further raised the detective's suspicions, because, I mean, naturally, whenever you're like, oh, I want a lawyer, it's like, <laughs> guilty. So. Yes. <laughs> the police are obviously, at this point, like, we got them. This is this is it. Like she did this. However, yeah. that's not that's not evidence that enough to like arrest her or anything. Oh my god, no. I know. This just like I mean, it just it like when I was reading this, I was like, my jaw was dropped. I was like, oh my god. I'm oh just gonna god. be like, girl. Maybe Maybe if you think that your baby's dad is not the one that you're telling police it could be, maybe stop asking for a paternity. <laughs> like, I don't know. It's just me. I know. So, Ooh. roughly 18... The Okay, can we just talk about the amount of times that I go, so, I think I do it, like, a bajillion times in this episode. Okay, anyway. Anywho... Roughly 18 months passed. Um, so a year and six months, right? Yes. Yeah, a year and a half. A year and a half passed, and detectives, they still suspected her, but they didn't have any, they had no physical evidence other than just like, well, we, we think you had an affair, and yeah, it's pretty messed up. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. The cloud of suspicion surrounding Melissa remained. And at first, friends, you know, Melissa was like, no, like, I didn't do this, and Friends and family believed her, but after, you know, after the police kind of, like, you know, sharing this information, friends and family of the victims, they weren't really sure what to think. And it's really sad because a lot of, um, like, like Scott's, I know his mom, you know, died, but a lot of, like, like his grandmother and, and like, his father, they all, like, they all loved Melissa, but they were like, I mean, you don't, you you had an affair with his friend like I don't really like that relationship was ruined well also like your son is gonna start not looking like your yeah, husband like a, a lot of and, and a lot of her friends too were like girl like that's messed up you know and this is a, a year and a half of and I would like to I would like to say that through this year and a half Melissa constantly denied 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 she was Every time it was brought up, like the police were the kind affair, of like the murder. Uh, sorry, she can't. The, she denied the affair. 
Okay. And, like, police were constantly, you know, like, egging her, and she was constantly denying it. Denying that, she, you know, the baby could be anyone but Scott's. And... Yeah, that's not coming off too great. Yeah, but here's yeah. the thing. Police were kind of like, okay, um, you know, it, it, would, it would seem like... It would seem like she would... I don't know, just admit already. Like, I don't know why she hasn't. So, the police obviously told her so many times, DNA doesn't lie. Because it doesn't. DNA doesn't lie. Mm -hmm. And that's the truth. But at some point during, after this, you know, year and a half, the police decided that just to be on the safe side, because she kept denying it, that they were going to test Beverly Guy's DNA and run it against Scott's. Like, you know, mother to son. Obviously, that was going to match, right? Mm Mm-hmm. You know, because they were like, it, DNA doesn't lie, so this is just going to confirm that, like, the affair is real, and it's going to be a match. So they okay. passed Beverly Guys to Scott's, and there was not a match. What? So they, yeah, so the DNA, like, the DNA that was, that, that was in front of them said that Scott's mom was not Scott's mom. I'm very confused. Yeah, so the police were like, What? So they, you know, they, they go and they examine what happened. And the police realized that they mixed up Scott and Brian's DNA samples. So Brian's DNA oh my God. had Scott's name on it and vice versa. So okay, this- now I feel jerk for being like, oh man, lady, nice. <laughs> I know. But also like you cannot i'm sorry you're fired you're like immediately fired immediately like no i don't know that's not a mistake like you do not get to hound a widow about the paternity of her child Mm -hmm. with her dead husband oh my god and you're an idiot (laughs) literally like wow i can't i i I can't i want to see the face of like the detectives when they like realized that because they just tarnished Melissa's reputation. They, I mean, literally. They were like, yeah, like, you had an affair with his best friend. And she was like, no, I didn't. I loved my husband. And they were like, no, no. So Scott was indeed the father. They had her grandmother out there thinking, oh, gosh. I know. Oh. I know. And you're going to be really upset in a second. So that- obviously after this was found out. You know, Scott was indeed the father. Melissa had done absolutely nothing wrong. And Mm -hmm. really sad note here. Scott's grandmother would never learn of the mix-up because she she died before it was, you know, it was found out. And so she died unsure of her great-grandson's true identity. Wow. I know. Well, fun living with that one, cops. I know. Like, I I just, I can't. And they spent a year and a half absolutely determined that it was Melissa. I hope she sued. I think, I don't know, but I think she, like, definitely tried to, I feel like. Wow. I like, mean, like, been... yeah. Wow. Like, imagine yeah, I... just being like, guys, I swear to God, like, I was never unfaithful. I loved my husband. And everyone's like, I don't know. Oh, my God. I can't I'm imagine. Still not this, like. Okay. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So, anywho, p- 
police then interviewed this was like later on after all that stuff happened so it's been a couple years now the police interviewed the last person to see the four victims alive a customer who was in the shop minutes before the shooting this witness told the sheriff's department that he saw a man in the dealership he recalled how the unknown man in the shop had required about a motorcycle and spoke as if he didn't know anything about bikes Mm-hmm. So much so that the customer found the guy's behavior noticeably off-putting. Mm-hmm. So, like, the, I think the customer was saying, like, yeah, like, the guy was talking to them about how he didn't know anything and he was acting super weird. It was just really weird. Mm-hmm. So. That man was Todd Colehab. Of freaking course it was. Yeah. After his arrest, Colehab confessed to the 2003 Superbike murders, as we know. We know that Todd bought that 2000 or the $9,000 2003 Suzuki GS. I'm not going to fit. I don't even remember. <laughs> that bike. <laughs> that bike. The you know. Super, it's like a sporty looking bike, right? The one with two wheels. <laughs> the one with two wheels. Obviously not for beginners, but Cole have stupid. So, <laughs> yeah. He now, Colehab said, according to a statement dictated by Spartanburg County Sheriff's Office investigator Tom Clark, that is, and that is, and that is a title. That is. Uh, around 8 p.m. on November 5th, mm-hmm. Todd said, quote, I was in, ex- wait, uh, whatever, he, Todd said, quote, I was inexperienced and I thought it was a bad decision and maybe wanted to trade for a 600, which is another kind of motorcycle. Okay. They were rude, he's talking about the bike shop right now. They yeah. were rude to me about how to ride a bike. They dropped it off at the apartment so they knew where it was stored. And then two to three days later, it was stolen. I made a police report. Insurance came out. I lost a $1,000 deductible, unquote. You know, dude, it's just, like, not worth it for them to come steal your bike. Exactly. Like, why? Why? Why would they do that? They just they like, just made the sale. Like, what? And I bet that they were rude to you because you were probably insanely rude. Yeah. Like, so... like let's not just start, like, you know spouting off things here like whatever so Colehep started attending classes at Greenville Technical College that's where he got his business degree and then later in life started real estate we kind of talked about that in the first part whoop-de-doo good for you yeah and he began to want a motorcycle again because his last one was stolen or whatever anyway so he returned to the shop wait did they ever find it no (laughs) no they never did man I was gonna say I would love if they like raided his house and it was there. I oh know, my god, I know. That would I know. Make my day. It would be perfect, but also like horrible because like he got angry over that. Anyway, he's an okay. idiot. So he returned to the shop at Superbike Motors, where he said an employee implied that that the store was involved in the bike theft. Now there is no proof of this. Okay, and okay, <laughs> I just am like, of course he's gonna say that. Because you killed, like, he killed them. Well, he's going to say whatever he wants to say because they're not here to defend it. Exactly. And so, because so, he's saying this after, you know, he confessed. Like, he's saying this yeah. years later. Like, well, they implied that they were, I don't think that they no. implied anything. He's trying to make himself look better. Exactly. I don't believe that. I don't. And Todd said, quote, I let it slide for the time being. 
Oh, okay. Got mad about <laughs> it, but I kept I kept going out there, sitting on the bikes and listening to the owner and manager to basically talk trash. Bought a Beretta <laughs> 92S. That's another thing. I had three 10 round magazines. Okay. Oh, okay, so, okay. like, let me get this straight. You're telling everybody that these people treated you horribly and had terrible customer service and talked crap about you in front of you, and you continually went back to purchase items from them and patron their store? No, but, okay, so the, the Beretta is that that's a gun. So No, I know, but I'm saying he continually went back. Yeah, yeah, exactly, store. exactly. With the like, why are we going of, back? Just don't like, go back. But that's what I'm saying, with the intent of, oh, I was going to swap bikes, I was going to do this, I was going to do that. Mm-hmm. Okay, I would have gone to a different store. Exactly! Go to like, a different store! Just, like, never talk to them again. Like, you don't have to. They're not your friends. Well, there's the proof you need. Like, he's lying. Yeah, like, he's a lying okay. sack of freaking dumb Crap. People. Like, you're a garbage bag. Yeah. Like, you're, ew. You're the garbage bag, too, that, like, sucks. And every time you put it in the trash, it, like, never fits. Right? And it's always sticky and yes. ew. Yes! Yes! Yeah. Ugh. Okay. That's you, Todd. Yeah. So after Todd, so Todd said that, like, he he said this later on, but he said that, you know, he was like, yeah, I let it go. I got mad and bought a gun and I had three 10 round magazines. Ugh. On November 6, 2003, Todd left class on that Thursday and drove to Superbike Murders with his pistol. You, do you mean Superbike Motors? He drove to Superbike Motors with his pistol. Sorry, everybody. We have ADHD and dyslexia, so <laughs> we, do. we do. Sorry, we do. <laughs> it, literally, it's bad. That's not a good mix. Okay, so he wait. Also, how old is Todd at this point? Thirty-two. Oh my gosh. Okay. Yeah, he really let it go. He really let go his anger from this whole bike is thing. Yeah. Also, can wow. we just talk about the fact that he he served fifteen years in prison? No. Yeah, for, fourteen years in prison. Um, and he got out in 2001. This is two years later. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. So he just, nice, he just, nice. he's just, he, yeah, that didn't do anything. Now, Todd Kohlhepp later says, quote, and did not want to shoot other customers. And one of the guys wasn't there. I had to wait for him to come in. It was either the owner or the manager, one of the two main people. Finally, all four showed up who worked there, the mechanic and the mom. The mom was not a primary target. I was sitting on a black Kawasaki Katana 600. Told them I would take it. The mechanic took the bike to the the mechanic took the bike to the back to prep it. That was quote that was Chris, by the way, the mechanic. Mm-hmm. Quote, and that's why Chris was found slumped over a bike because he took it back to prep. <laughs> yeah. A moment later, after other customers were gone, because he Colehep was like, "Well, I didn't want to shoot other customers." Colehep made. Wow, you're so kind. I know. Thank I know. You. So Kohlhepp tells investigators details on the kinds of rounds he fired from his gun, as well as when and where he shot each victim. He oh legit God. told them, like, when he was confessing, he was like, I'll confess. Hell, if I'm going to confess, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to confess. Because That's he told them, like, I know. He told them every, every detail. Like, I mean, I guess thank you for I know, but, all the details, but also, like, okay. But also, like, we hate you. So what this this goes into like he enjoyed bragging about the people he killed and he enjoyed bragging about how he did it. He was just a disgusting human being. Yeah. He wow. said 
He said that he brought a self-made suppressor with him to the shop that day, but elected not to use it. He walked to the back of the shop and fired twice at Chris Sherbert, who was 26. He walked to the front and came upon Beverly Guy, Brian Lucas, and Scott Ponder, who had all gathered together after hearing the gunshots. He shot Beverly, Ponder's mother, before shooting Brian and Scott as they ran for the door. Yeah. That's terrible. He said that he proceeded to walk back through the building to clear, and as he did, he put one in each person's forehead. Oh my god! Yeah. This guy is insane. Mm-hmm. Wow. <laughs> yeah. He left in his gray 1991 Acura Legend, took the gun apart, put one part in cat litter, and threw it and threw the other parts in the dumpster at Hunt Club Apartments in Spartanburg, where he lived. Nice. Yeah, so he just was like, he just was like, okay, like, I'm just gonna go now, and like, I, I just shot people, just get in my car and drive off, I'll just hide the gun. Like, he, like, he didn't have any qualms about this. Like, it's terrifying it's how, how okay he was, you know what I mean? He's literally sick. And what what gets me is that this was all about revenge. Like, he was just mad. He was mad that they were rude to him. He was mad that he thought that they stole his bike, and he was just mad that he felt like they were mean to him. And so he just decided to come back and murder them like i just like so pathetic so horrible like there's just no words there really isn't literally (laughs) it's just disgusting um i have a quote from brian lucas's father he said quote he loved his family obviously and bikes were everything to him they were his life and it's just like unquote sorry it just it it's so sad because it's like all those people they were so passionate about what like what they were doing like Brian and Scott they were passionate about their business and and they didn't do any anything wrong they were just living their lives you know and it's what's it's terrifying from the from the shop's perspective to think that like they pissed off a customer and that was what that customer did it's also just, like, insane to think about, like, you literally don't know what is going on in these people's minds. Like, yeah. something that, in all actuality, probably meant literally nothing. Nothing at all. At, like, wow. And yet, he took it and did this horrific thing with it. Like, okay. Exactly, exactly. So, let's go back to when Todd Kolhep is arrested and go from there. <laughs> So, we know that he has admitted to all the murders and the kidnappings, and with everything against him, Todd knows that he is not getting out of it, and the Mm -hmm. mental switch he does is, like, really scary. So, I don't know if if you guys remember, but when when the investigators, like, first grabbed him, he, like, he was playing dumb. Like, he- Oh my god, yeah. Yeah, like, like he was like, he was like, yeah, um, I, I don't know what you're talking about. And then he confesses after Kala tells the cops that he admitted to more killings and they found more bodies. He was like, okay, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Little fact that made me, like, want to, like, scream was Kala told the police that Todd confessed to the Superbike murders and then Todd later in custody confesses himself to detectives 
And I guess there was like a $25,000 reward for anyone with information that could help solve the case. Like that was an ongoing thing because it was a cold case for 13 years. Mm-hmm. And, and everyone was kind of like, oh my gosh, like we should give that to Kala. She's been through so much. She's the one that told us, you know, this. Yeah. You should get a $25,000 reward. Like she did. She gave us the information that solved this case. You Literally. Know? So, but, you know, they were saying that. And Todd has the fucking nerve to say to to say to investigators, I think I should get it because I confessed. No. But no. you 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 killed them. You're the reason. No. Like, also, you're gonna go to prison. Like that doesn't do anything for you. Like, I just hate you. Yeah. I I hate that's you. all. I'm, like, that's all. I just yeah. hate you. Another thing that really gets me is he starts acting all high and mighty, saying things during his his interviews, like, quote, I won't shoot a cop. If I'm wrong, I'm wrong. I'll take it. But I'm not going to take one of you guys down. I'm not a terrorist. I love my country. What the heck does that have to do with anything? I I don't know. I don't know. All I know is that I was reading this and I was like, sir, (laughs) sir, what? Like, okay. What, what do you mean? Hey, if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. I'll, I'll admit I'm wrong. Like, Let's, like, not joke about shooting people after yeah. you just let's admitted not, to Let's not do that. that. So. I just, you, I, I would be sitting there, if I was interviewing this man, I would be like, somebody's got to take my spot. I don't know how to deal with this I'm gonna, stupid of a person. I'm going to punch you into a different universe. Literally. <laughs> like, I, I, I don't, I don't know. I don't know how, I don't, I can't. Yeah. So, as if that's going to lessen anything or make people think differently than you. Like, I, yeah, whatever. So, also, when, when talking about the superbike murders, he tells detectives that he didn't like, that supposedly people at the store were rude about his lack of knowledge about a specific <laughs> bike he wanted to buy. And he was like, yeah, that's why I killed him. He says his father, this is, this is crazy, Todd says his father raised him with the mentality of, if I got into a fight, if I didn't win, then you're not my son. Okay. Um, so it's like... Nobody was fighting with you. That's yeah, like no, one, no one was fighting. Also, even if you did feel like you had to say something to them, like, hey, did you guys steal my bike? You didn't have to... There's there's any anything else is the right answer to that. Also, like, no to toxic masculinity, but okay. Yeah, like, I don't... I, I don't, that's not gonna, no one's gonna feel bad for you. You know what I mean? No one's gonna be like, oh, daddy issues. No, no. So, this makes me sad. This makes me, actually, this makes me mad. Now, in a plea deal, because obviously he was, he was going to prison. Like, there's nothing. And honestly, he was gonna get the death penalty. Like, straight up. But in a plea deal to avoid the death penalty... Todd Kohlhepp admitted to the crimes and was sentenced to seven life terms without the possibility of parole. Solicitor Barry Barnett said the case was, without a doubt, a capital punishment case, and basically saying that he thought that Todd should get the death penalty no matter what. But due to a shortage of lethal injection drugs and the the lengthy death penalty process, Mm -hmm. he agreed with the decision of... Okay, seven life terms without the possibility of parole. Okay. Yeah. So he's never, obviously never getting out. And he knows that. And Todd later says in an interview, 
quote, I'm not getting out. I know that. You guys are going to go for the for death row, and I'm okay with that. Just don't drag it out for 50 years, please. <laughs> I mean, yeah. 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 What <laughs> um, yeah. I, I also I, I just guess like, I gotta agree with him. <laughs> yeah. Because honestly, though, dude, the the death penalty process it it, it takes it's basically so, just a life sentence. Like, it literally is because by by the time that it actually happens, you've been in there for twenty to life. Yeah. Yeah. I don't like. I don't know. I'm like. I don't know how I feel about the death penalty. I don't know. So, I. This, like, my opinion is that... That's my opinion! Yeah, that's my opinion! <laughs> um, I think that, obviously, there there is certain horrible serial killers that I'm like, yeah. But I also just, it's so difficult to, like... I, I wouldn't know how to decide that, like, that is the right for that person. You know what I mean? Like, I think you should just let the family in there for, like, five minutes, and I don't know. I'm totally kidding with that, by the way. I know. That's a terrible idea. (laughs) I know. I know. But, like, it's just, yeah, it's the death penalty is a really difficult It's just sticky. Like, 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 I'm glad I'm not a judge. I'm glad I'm not making those decisions, because, like, I... Honestly, I think that's what it is. I think it's the idea of, like, making that decision is terrifying. But, like, yeah. I also am, like, if if Todd Cole had, if, if it would have been said that, like, he did get it, I would I would have been, like, yeah. 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 You know? Like, I don't know. I mean, ugh. So is he still alive? He is. And he is currently being Four. held at Kirkland Correctional um, Facility, a maximum security prison in Columbia. I'm going to barf. Yes. Ugh. He is rotting there currently, and that is the story of Todd Colehep. I'm I going hope to... that there is constantly a hair in your mouth, and you can never get it out. Or yeah, like and I hope something that... stuck in your tooth, and it hurts all the time. Oh God, yes, and I hope you feel like oh, I was gonna, I was gonna say something, and I realized it was copying yours. Oh, oh, uh-huh. I hope that your socks are constantly soaking wet, and you, yeah, it's so annoying, and it's like freezing cold. Stinky. And I hope that every time you put on a sweatshirt, you're still freezing. Do you? So yeah. let's end. I'm going to end on a note of um, fuck that dude. Yeah. So. Yeah. I have a good ending there. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty good ending. I think I like that. So little transition. Megan and I just saw the Barbie movie and. Ah! Mm. Mm, 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 mm. I'm going to yes. be doing. I'm going to be doing. My. Uh, we sh- my, The next episode is going to be the Barbie movie because it murdered my mental state. Yeah. I, I, I sat there and I don't even know what I was expecting, but I had tears streaming down my face by the end of that movie. And I was like, like, I'll never be the same. The most powerful part of the movie for me was when like they were complimenting the Barbies in the beginning and they just said, I deserve this. Like, uh, am I about to never say thank you again? Like what? I know. Right. I know. Also, I sent this to Grace, but. I don't know if anyone else caught this. I didn't. I didn't catch it. I first. I saw this on the video. The four girls that mm-hmm. Barbie talked to. That the, the Bratzels. Bro, I was like, oh. My mom never let me play with Bratz dolls. I loved Bratz dolls. My Actually, mom thought it would. Make Lindsay me and I played Bratz. with Monster High dolls. <laughs> oh my gosh, dude! I had all my friends had those, but again, yes, those were cool as hell. 
I know, dude. But yeah, Barbie movie was like... Guys, it's amazing. If like, y'all wow. have not seen it, go see it immediately. And like, if y'all have, you guys know what we're talking about. Like, maybe when it's a little bit older and more people have had the chance to see it, Megan and I will do an episode where we just watch oh it God. and review. I don't know. Yeah, mm. that would be super fun. We should do... Okay. Obviously, we'll Grace and I stuff. have only done murders right now, but we do want to go into, like, hauntings. And maybe we could even talk about, like, specific movies that like we like creep like like we could review some like scary movies and stuff dude yes i feel like i would cry because i hate scary movies yes yes. contrary to popular belief everybody like i'm the biggest baby in the world so okay great (laughs) i want to go see haunted mansion um i will absolutely see that That they remade it that is not a horror movie yeah it's not gonna be scary (laughs) i'm so excited oh my god i want to see it so bad Dude, same. But yeah, no, like, let us know your guys' thoughts, because, like, we would love to do some movie reviews and whatever, but... Yeah, also, guys, send us some haunted... Yeah, uh, spooky. Yeah, some, like, spooky cases, Because it's the last month of summer, and this pale lady is ready for fall and pumpkins and everything chilly. Wait, what is it? Something spice and everything nice? Pumpkin spice and everything nice and everything nice. Just, it's fall, y'all fall it's, y'all i don't care about summer anymore sorry yeah <laughs> guys but, before we go make sure to email us any cases you have at yeah. that's so criminal at gmail.com and you can dm us and like catch up with us on instagram at that's so criminal yes we make it very simple we do because <laughs> literally it's just the name but yeah, we've been loving all the emails we're getting, and I'm sorry that we're terrible at responding sometimes. We suck, but I know, I know. sometimes trying. I go in there and I'm like, ooh, ooh, it's been a week. There goes we, yeah, yeah. <laughs> if, email... if we're being honest, though, Grace and I are that like we're literally that way with each other's text messages. Correct. We just only phone call, pretty yeah. much, pretty much. <laughs> but thank you guys for tuning in, and we will see you next week. Yes. So I guess until then, you know. Uh, stay not murdered. That's yeah, cool. yeah. Stay safe and stay not murdered. We love it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Bye. Bye.